0: Hello and welcome to the Ecosend podcast, a weekly podcast on becoming a climate-conscious business. Every week, we'll be interviewing founders, marketers, and leaders who are championing the climate. The podcast is hosted by myself, James Gill, co-founder and CEO of GoSquared and the makers of Ecosend. If you run a business or are responsible for growing one, and you want to have a positive impact on the environment, then listen on. Every episode Our goal is for you to learn something and be inspired to take some action. Every single one of us making small changes and some large changes will add up. We're all in this together. So let's get on with the show. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's meet today's guest. This week I have the great pleasure of being joined by Maria from Soleil Marketing. Now, Maria and I have spoken before, we had a great chat, but I wanted to just give a bit of background on Maria before we hand it over to you, Maria, to say your piece. But Maria is an award-winning qualified marketing consultant who helps purpose-driven businesses increase turnover and brand awareness. Maria's got over 10 years of experience in the world of marketing, so probably knows a lot more than almost anyone else I know in the world of marketing, which is great. So from a marketing perspective, We've got a lot to learn from you, Maria. But you are also big into the world of sustainability, being a climate-conscious business. So I believe you have an accreditation as being carbon literate, and you hold a mini MBA in marketing from Marketing Week. So you've got the perfect combo of skills and knowledge to be talking to us on the podcast this week. And I believe you're also a volunteer for the Kent Wildlife Trust. So... You tick a lot of boxes for being a great person to be speaking to on the said podcast. So thank you so much, Maria, for joining us. Do tell us more about you, Maria, and what you're up to at the moment.
1: Thank you, James. One an introduction. I'm not sure how to follow that. We run Salon Marketing, which is basically a consultancy that helps purpose-driven brands with the marketing strategy and execution. And ultimately, I work for purpose-driven brands, and I am purpose-driven myself. The business is purpose-driven. So... Everything that I do is trying to impact the planet and people rather than being exploitative or extractive or purely just in it to make money for myself. And that's kind of the (laughs) approach I try and take to business.
0: That sounds great. If only more people and businesses were like what you're doing. Maybe the contrarian would be like, why? Why do you care about this? Why are you purpose-driven? What got you on this path, Maria? Because a lot of people wake up and they just want to go out there and make some money in the world and they want to start a business or... Especially I think in the world of marketing, you know it, it could be sometimes challenging to get to get clients to win business. How have you ended up in this place where your, your purpose is so strong and h- how have you got such admirable values in this otherwise quite chaotic world? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a really good question. The journey started over two years ago now during the height of the pandemic really mm. i think a lot of people have these realizations when they go through these challenges so i was, I was made redundant from my last employed marketing role i was a marketing lead uh, in the uk and us for a travel agent but quite a niche one it was in the uh, yacht rental yacht chartering Ooh, um sounds fun. you know i've had a bit of a varied background in terms of roles that I've worked in before that I worked in a multinational construction materials company so that was very corporate very challenging and so I went into a travel job because travel has always been a passion of mine I just always felt like that corporate life wasn't really for me always felt like I was trying to fit a square peg into a round hole it just didn't ever really feel quite right I thought it was what I wanted when I went into (laughs) it but Actually, I realized it didn't align with my values at all. And so going into that kind of travel role, it actually afforded me a lot more flexibility. The company culture was completely different. But as, you know, it's quite obvious what happened, the pandemic hit, people weren't booking holidays. So very quickly it became apparent that a marketing role for a travel company was at risk of redundancy. So I had a few months in 2020 on furloughs, figuring out what I wanted to do. It felt like a really weird time for the job market. I mean, it was a weird time for the job market, especially with the whole kind of overnight change to remote working. And it felt like a lot of companies were going through so much change and adjustment. I was looking for roles and I couldn't really find a role that I felt really passionate about. It gave me what I wanted. And I actually spent some time doing some, it was actually a career change course, be good but ultimately what it showed me was that all my values aligned with the idea of going self-employed but actually going self-employed in marketing for particular types of clients and doing particular types of work so that's about from realizing that I sort of cared about kind of social purpose social mobility the environment stuff actually came into it a bit later for me right so basically September 2020 I went fully self-employed. It's a bold
0: move. It's
1: a bold move. I mean, to be fair, it was almost like if I don't do it now, given the situation at the time, this is the best time to do it. But then that doesn't ever make it feel any easier. It's still hard to kind of get going. So I came across the B Corp movement. They're all about bringing purpose into business and using business as like a vehicle to solve social and environmental problems. And I was obsessed with it. (laughs) <laughs> so I really embedded the idea more, of, okay, I want to be a purpose-led business and I want to only work for these particular types of businesses because that's how I've always felt in the past that marketing is there as a function to, you know, in revenue, to drive profit for shareholders. The positive outputs of marketing are not shared across the business or maybe in wider society or to the environment. So I came across the V-Corp movement loved it and basically ever since I've been trying to to build that purpose and that kind of work in the running of my business but also the types of clients that I work for.
0: It's always fascinating to hear people's journeys in this world and it's never a linear path I, I think it's always paved with unexpected things I mean not many people could really predict that we'd all suddenly start turning the world upside down and work from home and not be able to go out for two years. It was a huge challenge, but in many ways, for some, it was this point of rethinking everything, whether it was a business or individuals. And it sounds like that very much was the case for you. And it's quite fascinating to hear the positive outcome of some of that and the necessity to go and do something on your own. I'm actually fascinated by this idea, though, of the focus on the B Corp movement and sustainable businesses or values driven businesses because while that's an admirable goal for a lot of people it's like do you take a client and get paid or not (laughs) so I'm actually fascinated has that choice driven you to have any difficult decisions of clients to work with and have you ever said no to a client because they didn't align with what you wanted the kind of company you wanted to be working with
1: Yeah, I I have said no. I've been approached by a couple of businesses, actually, and I've just felt it's almost like they were interested in becoming purpose-driven businesses or developing or sort of doing purpose-driven marketing. Mm. But the type of business and the industry they were in, it just didn't feel quite right. I just knew that they wouldn't be the right type of clients for me. I wouldn't say I'm selective. I'm fortunate to have several long-term clients
0: Sure.
1: Who align with my values. But I would say that I do think there is a difference in, I guess, budget with the types of clients that I might work with. I could have gone another route and gone fully into digital marketing, maybe get really deep into SEO and provide those kind of services Um, because the role I did before was quite general. So I managed SEO, managed an agency, doing PPC. I was doing paid social I was doing organic social. And so I could have gone down any of those routes that tend to be quite in-demand skills. I've always enjoyed strategy, the stuff that comes before the tactical stuff. I've always enjoyed that and planning and creating structure in businesses and processes, less so the kind of hands-on PPC management, social media Mm. management. So firstly, I decided to go down that route more, I suppose, to kind of summarise what I'm trying to say is that I could probably command a higher daily rate doing something that's more specialised for I don't know e-commerce businesses or bigger Mm -hmm. brands but ultimately that's not really the type of work that I wanted to do or or still I'm not really interested in doing so there've been compromises I guess and there continue to be compromises that I make along the way an example is the fact that you dedicate some time each month to mentoring and volunteering which is time that I could instead be charging for work (laughs) but to me that's still part of what running a purpose-driven business is about is about giving back
0: yeah it's, it's honestly it's so interesting to hear because I always count my blessings that we have customers that pay us and that helps us run the business successfully and pay everyone's salaries but when you can be clear about your own values and what drives you then You can get so much fulfillment from things that are not money (laughs) and trying to balance your time and energy as a as an individual or as a business. I think so much of the, the world is so focused on make more money, increase the value of a business and financial metrics. But at the end of the day, there's humans behind every business, and those humans are not solely driven by money. The money helps, but then people have needs and wants and goals and values Definitely, it's uh, yeah. sometimes people struggle a bit I know I struggled a bit with how to balance that and felt quite guilty if I'm encouraging us as a business to do things that are not purely about making more money but I, I think it's incredible how much it can be rewarding for yourself and for your team as well to be doing more good things <laughs>
1: I good think it's, it's it's personal growth as well because You know, in previous roles that I've had, I didn't ever have the opportunity to do the types of things that I'm able to do now.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
1: which is a massive shame. I guess capitalism has brought us to a place now where we've we've almost constant growth, year on year growth
0: Mm.
1: with no regards to or very little regards to the impacts that might have on things like carbon emissions, environment, people's well-being and mental health. That's brought us to a place that's not a good place. Mm. So the way I see in the world of business, which again, admittedly is only from my single perspective and there's so much nuance to it, is that something has to change. Every business can't keep doing business the way it's been doing business unless you're like a circular business. Patagonia always gets mentioned. as always <laughs> set in standard for like... A proper purpose-driven business, and so I suppose I'm saying is, I think the traditional business model does have to change. And if now you can be being the head of, it's a competitive advantage at the moment. I think if you can shift the way that you do business into a way that is purpose-driven and is giving back, it won't be a competitive advantage. Hopefully, like five to ten years, because everyone will be doing it. So hopefully. Exactly, yeah. and that's kind of the point we need to get to. All driven by personal values, but it is a competitive advantage ultimately because a lot of people within the marketing sector are having to learn now about sustainability.
0: Absolutely, it's a very optimistic future. I think you you have there, Maria. I share <laughs> your optimism. I I think there's there's no point being anything else. But I think it. You were right. That does lead very naturally onto something I know we wanted to talk about, which was for a lot of businesses they may behind closed doors want to do the right thing which in itself is great I know there's a lot of businesses that probably don't or they've got different priorities but for those that do want to do the right thing it's interesting to talk about how much I I think I think we've felt this like how much fear there often is when you see someone like a Patagonia (laughs) walking the walk and talking the talk and showing how it can be done and setting the standard. And then for so many individuals and businesses that haven't been on that journey for decades, learning everything there is and have a chief sustainability officer and baked it into their values from day one. Like for businesses today who want to get on this journey and want to be a bit more climate conscious and want to be doing the right thing, it feels like there's quite a bit of fear about speaking out because there's a fear that you get labeled as oh you're just doing this for the marketing you're just doing this to get some headlines and so I think it does seem like there's a a lot of people a lot of businesses maybe they have the right desires and intentions but it's almost like a where do you start have you felt that at all with with any of the clients you've worked with a fear of greenwashing
1: yeah it's definitely it I think it does scare a lot of businesses and businesses that genuinely want to be doing good stuff, want to be tracking their carbon carbon emissions and reporting on that and reporting on other stuff that they might be doing. And I think it can come from a genuine place. Obviously, often it will come from regulation. So it's not necessarily like they're just doing it of their own free will. I think those businesses that are wanting to try and make changes of their own free will are far and few in between because it generally will come from like a ceo founder who almost sees it as it's almost like a personal you know Mm. they can really see that the need for it generally i guess board members shareholders can almost see it as a risk or disruption or a massive investment that's going to cost the business Mm. money and actually generally you'll see that purpose-driven businesses tend to have more longevity and financial success there's it's not totally black and white and actually mark ritson wrote a quite good blog post in marketing week about purpose um, and purpose mm. in marketing actually and what it means but i think ultimately in terms of being scared to say things it's quite simple really you have to be factual and you have to tell the truth you have to be quite careful about what language you use mm. i saw a campaign recently that it used the words save the planet doing this.
0: But you see um, that that all the time, right? You see yeah, that in, exactly. you know you walk to your local supermarket and every item on the shelf apparently will help me save the planet.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you go by the green claims code, which is the Competition and Markets Authority's instructions on what to say and what not to say, how to avoid mm. greenwashing, they will say you can't make amb- big grand ambiguous claims. That's the type of thing you shouldn't be saying, but Say you're releasing a new product that might have lower carbon emissions. That's great. And you can say 10% less carbon emissions than the competition the or something yeah, like yeah, that. I mean. Just making sure you're clear up on what the Green Claims Code says. Sure. And avoiding those things that are ambiguous and clearly not actually true. <laughs> well, I
0: know you were saying as well, Terms like, I think it was eco-friendly. You know, you yeah. see a lot, but actually... That's quite meaningless when you get to the details, really.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had this chat actually with a sustainability consultant who knows an awful lot more than I do. Like, mm. I really know next to nothing compared to like, these people, and she just humble, basically said humble. like, nothing is eco-friendly, really. Basically, everything has carbon emissions attached to it. Every pound that is spent oh. has carbon emissions attached to it. So, anytime money is being spent, that's creating carbon emissions. Mm there's not really anything that can claim to be eco-friendly it could be better for the environment but then you'd have to be saying why is it better for the environment it's completely understandable why businesses might be scared of saying the wrong thing and also quite frustrating I think when maybe competitors are saying things that are clearly greenwashing that is really frustrating I think for a lot of businesses yeah yeah but then ultimately if you're genuine you're doing things right you're building that kind of trust with your customers and potential customers then in the long run you're going to be in a better position that's the way i see it
0: for me it's actually so fascinating where marketing and the values of a business meet so much around marketing is about copywriting and good copywriting and, and being an effective copywriter and it feels like it's as it's more applicable here than than ever where you've got to be a great writer to explain the value of a product, but then also incredibly delicate and well sourced on how you talk about those sustainability and climate related claims. It's fortunate that in the UK, we have the the green claims code, which I know if other people may not be familiar with it, we can link to it in the show notes as well. But I'm sure that it varies around the world of whether there's such clarity for how businesses should talk about their products in other markets but i know when we we briefly spoke before that really interested me maria and that was around trying to build a sustainable business is that enough is there further we should be going and i know you had some thoughts on that so i'd love to hear you share those if that's okay yeah yeah of course i think we're all on
1: a continuous journey i definitely am i'm learning new things all the time and yeah um, in recent months i've been learning a bit more about regenerative business so it's kind of a step on from sustainability and having a sustainable business well you know this world within business is moving really quickly so things are changing a lot um so the idea around running a regenerative business is that so i guess to start with sustainability like My understanding of sustainability is being able to run a business or have a society that is run in a way that almost sustains the status quo, which means ultimately it's about stopping things getting worse. Regeneration recognises that we've created a lot of environmental and sociological damage through it, mainly in the global north and Western economies through the way business and business has really been done but regeneration is almost looking at okay so we looking at where we are and looking at the fact that trying to achieve net zero is a massive feat the things that need to change like behavioral changes like infrastructure but ultimately we should really be repairing the damage that we've already Mm -hmm. created so I suppose it's quite difficult to explain. I think one good example, one business that I've seen that I think represents this really well is a company called Elvis and Cress. Okay. And they are I believe they're a B corp. They're actually quite local to to me in Kent and their original kind of business was to take old fire hoses from fire stations that don't no longer used and create bags and purses and stuff out of these old fire hoses oh. reducing waste kind of a circular model and more I think in the last couple of years they the founder actually or the founders sorry there's two of them they bought a farm in well where they're based in Kent they actually bought a farm wow. and you think well actually a farm has nothing to do with creating handbags and selling handbags <laughs> but why are they doing that and ultimately they're there to regenerate the land they're they're doing loads of cool stuff i'd recommend going i think going to their website or just reading up a little bit more about them yeah this Um, podcast
0: is sponsored by elvis (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: this is a good example
0: i I guess just not to sorry i just like you know doing good things is in itself good for your business as well you get attention as well for doing the right things but it sounds like they're not driven by that yeah i mean
1: they're very much driven but i spoke to the founder several months ago and they're very much driven by personal values and always wanting to do more and thinking okay like we make you know we make handbags but is that even good enough mm-hmm. yes we're taking waste and making it into something else yeah but actually we need to be looking at how to like things like improving soil and repairing land and taking more carbon out of the atmosphere and stuff like that so they're planting trees i know they're doing some other stuff i can't remember exactly what they're doing but a lot of businesses I think there's other businesses that are doing things like that faith in nature for example they make soaps and shower gels and stuff like that they've recently made nature an official director of their company <laughs> so so wow so basically the views of nature is represented in the boardroom officially which is really interesting how, how they've managed to do that legally and yeah. stuff so and I think that again fits into the idea of how can we regenerate and give back and repair damage that we've done over yeah. the last 150 years, essentially, to reset the balance because everything's out of balance. So to me, it's blowing my mind learning about it so I'm <laughs> thinking, well, how does this apply to my clients? How does this mm. apply to the way I run my business? How does that even apply to marketing and what does the future look like for marketing within business mm. I think it's a really interesting topic I think it's going to grow that idea of really giving back and repairing rather than just profit 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 all the time yeah um,
0: absolutely it does seem that the last well, 150 years like growth 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 but then as you said I think it just makes so much sense being sustainable if what we are doing is unsustainable it isn't gonna help us anywhere near enough to undo so much of the previous damage that's been done. And seemingly, the world is getting more and more knowledgeable about that damage we've done and about what could happen in the future. It feels the urgency and uh, the sheer amount of things that need to change and need to be done. There's more things that need to be done and under more urgency, (laughs) increasing. So all of those things combined feel like... We need more people and more businesses to not just think, "How do I tick some boxes? How do I look like I'm doing the right thing?" We don't even need businesses just keeping things sustainable. We need businesses to go further, to set the bar so much further out there that we can start undoing things in a big way and start turning things, turning the clock back a bit on on some of the the damage that's been done. So that concept sounds fascinating. And well, I, I certainly, when you told me about it, it certainly inspired. Me a lot to, to think about. Uh, how can we? How can I? How can more businesses be be thinking like that? Not just sustainable, but go further. Not mm-hmm. sure. I've got the budget to buy a farm yet, but we'll figure. No, I know. will figure know. that out. That's that's life goals There. <laughs> you mentioned, though, Maria, the future of marketing. I think probably final topic, just to touch on. There seems like an appropriate one. do you have any thoughts on the future of marketing and how that's going to look over the next? Five ten years. I mean, those are big big numbers in themselves. Maybe even one year. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I know, and it changes so. It feels like changes so quickly. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Mm -hmm. it is a really really good question. It's one that I'm thinking a lot about at the moment because of all the things that I'm learning and things around how marketing is one of the causes of where Mm -hmm. we are now, driving consumption, causing people to buy things that they don't necessarily (laughs) need. Yeah, and ultimately that can't okay it could continue as it is and it has been for years and years and years but we're staring down the barrel of a bit of a scary future unfortunately and especially if you know anyone might have seen the latest david attenborough documentary and the message that he left at the end is like we need to do something sustainable marketing is something that is growing the Chartered Institute of Marketing, they run a course on it. I know there's a course by Cambridge University, I think, about sustainable marketing. And so there is clearly a shift happening, which is making people realise that, okay, we need to do things differently. So, you know, a lot of the bigger brands will be legally obliged to report on carbon emissions. Yeah. So they are going to be tracking carbon emissions of marketing campaigns or production of products and everything so they're really keen to understand how to do advertising and promotion and everything involved in the marketing process at a lower carbon impact sure so i think that is an interesting thing going forwards marketing at the moment generally seems to be i mean it's hugely data driven a lot of businesses have way too much data compared to what they actually need to actually achieve their goals from a marketing right, right. perspective and with data, we know it does have carbon emissions. And I think because almost you think it's just hosted on the cloud or you don't think sure. about the impact of it, Yeah. but I think data should be cleansed and you shouldn't really be keeping stuff unnecessarily anyway. So I think yeah. that's going to yeah. be scaled back. I think campaigns are going to look quite different because I think they probably won't be so elaborate, but I also think they'll have to be a lot more creativity involved because. Well, equally, you know, these big campaigns cost money, but I Mm. think there'll be a lot more changes in production around campaigns. And the other thing I was thinking is, I think copywriting will become more important than it is Mm. now. Because even, say, for example, very, very small thing, but a website, for example, has a carbon footprint, and usually the more images and the more illustrations or complex code on there impacts on the carbon emissions. So mm-hmm. I think things will be stripped back a lot. It will become a lot more about language and simplicity than doing crazy stuff and running in on loads of different channels, mm. sometimes unnecessarily. But long term, I think it's going to be very interesting because but then I do have a bit of a optimistic vision of where things <laughs> will be. Yeah. It's something I'm asking, I'm talking to people and asking questions about at the moment because I don't understand how in 10 years time I feel like things look so different but I can't even really comprehend how different they're gonna look
0: yeah 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 10 years ago was you know things were quite different 10 years ago so (laughs) no it's uh, honestly uh, it's fascinating hearing you say a lot of that though what I heard there was a lot of a lot of positives in terms of how marketing can be changing a lot of almost returning to maybe some might call it the good old days where marketing did rely more on creativity, did rely on great copywriting, did rely on yeah. doing more with less. And it feels like that could be better for, for brands with maybe smaller budgets. It could be better for people in the marketing industry to to focus more on quality and creativity. It could be better for consumers too, with less bombardment of things on different channels and then better for the climate too. So it feels like there's a lot of, reasons to be as you said as you are maria optimistic and positive about the future (laughs) so yeah thank you so much i feel like that's that's made one hell of a great show i hope listeners are going to be very inspired if there is anywhere you wanted to share if anyone wants to go off on this journey and, and find out more is there anywhere you'd recommend they go check out
1: yeah, because this stuff is quite overwhelming and there are a lot of places you can go to read. I, I've created yeah. a resources page on my website, which is at soleimarketing.co.uk forward slash resources. I haven't read all of them because there's quite a lot on there, <laughs> but I've had them recommended to me and I have read a couple. Um, you are be very honest things- there. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely recommend going to my webpage on that. I guess the most prominent things to pick out are, I would say, the Sustainable Marketing Manifesto. That's a really good place to go, just to learn because they have podcasts as well, and that's really interesting. And actually, just things like the B Corp impact assessment is a good framework. I would say they are changing it; they're kind of developing it, but it's a framework that businesses can use to almost understand. Okay, so what does it mean to be purpose driven? What things do we have to look at in each aspect of our business? And the the UN Sustainable Development Goals. That's the last one I wanted to mention. So. Yeah. the un has created goals which again kind of link to almost every aspect of society and businesses and that's an interesting framework that a lot of sustainable models are based on
0: right we will absolutely link to that in the show notes and uh, lots of it sounds like it's a uh, an absolute treasure trove of, of handy resources there thank you maria and if anyone wants to learn more about you and connect with you where can they find you
1: so I'm mostly on LinkedIn. So just search Maria Sole. Wow. I do use Twitter as well. Awesome. But I suppose a good place, really. You can sign up to my newsletter as well, which is called nice. Marketing by Purpose. There's links to that on my homepage, and it's a monthly newsletter.
0: And a true, a true marketer there. I Get their email subscribers up. Fantastic. Well, thank you, thank you so much, Maria. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today because I feel like every time I speak to you I learn a hell of a lot more and come away feeling incredibly inspired and I'm sure that's how Anyone listening will feel too. So thank you so much, Marianne. Really, really enjoyed speaking to you. And if anyone has been listening and they want to help us out with the Ecosend podcast, which is always appreciated, you can go find the podcast on all the major podcast providers, of course. And if you have enjoyed the show, we very much appreciate you letting us know with a nice positive comment or rating on whatever podcast system you use. And also, if you have any suggestions for other wonderful people like Maria to join the show in the future then please please do do let us know so thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you next time